Hey everybody, this is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you're listening to the Talk To Me Podcast. What is up everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me. This is episode 206, and the guest this week is Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy, the return of Jason Wisdom and Death Therapy. The great new album out called Voices. Make sure to check it out wherever you get your, your music legally. Download it, order it, order it on vinyl. Order it straight from Jason. Call him up. Hit me up in a DM and I'll give you his phone number. How about that? <laughs> but before we get into Jason Wisdom and Death Therapy, let's talk about the future of Talk To Me. As you know, last week I said that I was going to switch over to a live show every Thursday night, 8 to 10 p.m., Uncontrolled Noise, uncontrollednoise.com. I will hit you up with all the links of how to listen live each and every Thursday night. So what does that mean for the podcast, you ask? And what I'm going to do, and I know you guys know that I enjoy the classic metal show, but I also really enjoy my sports talk radio, and I'm going to break it up into snippets. It's going to give me a chance to have way more guests on, way more other podcasters on. Say we have some kiss news going on. You know what I'm going to call Jason from Cobras and Fire, where I'm going to call Chris from Decibel Geek, and we're going to talk about those issues and those subjects. And, uh, you know, if any Vincent show coming up, who you get on the phone, you got to call Chris Sinzak. So it's going to be a lot more snippet conversations, a lot more content, a lot more daily stuff. And to be honest, four years into the show, I want to try something different. I want to break it up a little bit. I will still have long-form interviews, and I'll release those too. But as for the time being, I'm going to venture into the world of online radio. And, you know, a lot of it is that's what I've always wanted to do with this show. When I started the show, I, I saw some messages that I'd sent out prior when, uh, when I had Al John do the intro to the show. A lot of my questions to him was how to get into internet radio. Well, the talk to me has taken me to internet radio and doing a live show. So I'm going to have a lot of fun, going to play a lot of music, a lot of old school music, a lot of stuff growing up from my youth, our youth, and uh, hopefully be a one-stop shop for, you know, 90s metal and 2000s metal and even new stuff, you know. I'm not going to play classic metal. Might be classic now. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's, uh, I think, what is it, vintage is 25 years, antique is 75, so it's like vintage metal at this point. Hopefully you guys come along for the ride not lose too many of you in the transition. I know a lot of will be upset with this new format, but I think it's going to be a lot more fun, a lot more accessible, and get a lot more content out there for each and every uh, one of you to check out. So this being uh, the last episode, full-length episode for a little while, probably take next week off and then uh, get rolling with the live show. That should start uh, in a couple of weeks. I will uh, post on all the socials the exact start date. But it will be Thursday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uncontrollednoise.com. They actually have a really cool Roku app, which I was checking out the other day. So you will be able to find the show, and it'll be very easily easy to find on your smartphone and even your smart TV Roku devices. So before we get into all that, let's talk about Scott Bowling, our good friend Scott Bowling, down in Atlanta, Georgia, with good company with Bowling. Yes. Make sure you're checking out his YouTube show. Or heading over to scottgoodcompany.com and you will hear all the great interviews that he does with guys from Corn, Seven Dust, Stuck Mojo, Fozzie, Islander, and the great uh, 
our great radio metal voices, as in Matt Pinfield, Eddie Trunk, Jose Mangan, and so much more. So go over and check out Scott, goodcompany.com, or Good Company with Bowling on YouTube. Let him know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you, and that will be much appreciated. Before we get Jason Wisdom on the line, let's check out some classic uh, Becoming the Archetype, which he was the uh, vocalist bassist of. Then we will check out, uh, then I will call up Jason on his cell phone on his way to Mexico for a show. We'll talk to Jason about the new album. We'll check out some new death therapy. And then I will talk to you in the outro.
All right, man. Uh, well, it's good to talk to you again, Jason. How you been? I've been good, man. Just living the dream. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so you're in a layover on the way to Mexico. What exactly? Uh, what's the show you're doing down there? Yeah, so we're playing a we're playing a festival in Mexico. It's an open door, open open air. Excuse me, not open door. <laughs> open um, door although policy. It, although it, it is open door because it's a free festival that this guy does every year um, outside of Mexico City. So it's like on the side of a volcano, which is pretty crazy. Um, and uh, it's I don't know what year it is because oh my goodness, I'm at the airport. Oh, no, you're but fine. The, uh, yeah, the uh, the headlining band this year is Pod. Nice. So, who knows? I feel like it's 1999 all over again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool festival and, uh, they always have a really big crowd and it's pretty cool. They just literally go into the city with buses and say like, who wants to come hang out for the weekend on a volcano and watch music and people come, (laughs) people legitimately do. There's, there's so many people down there. If anyone ever pulled up to me and said, who wants to go hang out on the side of a volcano, get in the bus. I don't think I'm going. That sounds (laughs) terrible. I don't know, man. Like I say, like Mexico City is, I think, is one of like the number three or something most densely populated city yeah, in it's the insane. world. So it's just like there's just a lot of people. So I think some of them are excited to get out into the country for a little bit. <laughs> just something needs something to do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, uh, the the new album Voices has been out for just a little bit. How's the uh, the reception gone so far? Man, it so far it's been awesome. Um, we're in a tricky position as a band where like, you know, we're still pretty small. So like, I feel like most of the haters kind of avoid, like they just, we're not worth their trouble. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a weird yeah. way of putting no, it. No, I got like, you. I feel we that. Get, we get, we get tons and tons and tons of positive feedback from everyone who like is a fan. And, um, and so far they, you know, people have been saying they, they love it. Even some people who hated the first record kind of coming on board this time around, like it's a little, a little bit more proggy, a little bit more, uh, little bit more metal in parts um than the first record a little less industrial but it still feels like the first record i feel like but it's yeah people been people been digging it so far so the one thing when i was checking it out listening to it and i was trying to think like you know you're mainly uh kind of a one-man man you know obviously two-man band but uh you know you're up there you're up front you're the basically the only one able to move around on stage did that kind of go into the writing of the the new music, knowing that uh, you know, knowing how that feels to be the uh, the main person on stage? Well, you know what's funny about that is you're calling me as we're flying to the very first show we're ever going to play as a three piece. So we oh, actually shit. Have, we actually have a keyboard player coming with us, nice um, for the first time, and it's something I've, I've kind of always wanted to do. Like we play with backing tracks anyway, which is pretty normal for band a lot of bands now. Yeah, but. Um, since we're since we're a little bit more in the prog direction with this record, and I'm I'm definitely obviously more of a progressive metal dude myself. Um, I've always wanted, if we could, to have live keys so we can kind of ad lib more and you know have more stuff going on. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it's not really something that plays in as I write the music. I feel like I write music probably more akin to someone like a Devin Townsend, who's like my personal hero. Um, you know, it's just sort of like he sees what he wants it to be and just chases after it. And, you know, <laughs> you know, all else be damned. However, it turns out if it takes like, you know, $170,000, as he said, he spent on this new one, then that's what it's going to take, you know. So for me, it's it's kind of the same way. I'm like, I have a vision and we'll figure out how to play it live later, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking, uh, I've, didn't you didn't you have like some sort of rig set up with uh, with, you know, your your MIDI stuff going on and. And like almost like a a rig you kind of had to take with you. So when you do a flyout date like this, 
you know, typically they, you know, rent you the amps and stuff and you show up with your guitars. You know, what do you right. do in a situation like this? Totally. Like I have a, I have a pedal board that's basically sort of like a master, master setup for everything. It's got our in-ears, it's got our um, MIDI, you know, the stuff where I can fire the, the keyboard backing track type of thing from. So everything's controlled from there. It actually even has a small guitar amp on it. It's a little 50 watt amp mounted on there. So I've actually got everything I need. I fly with that in my base and, you know, we show up and use whatever backline gear they've got for us. We're good to go. And uh, so, so yeah, we do lots of fly out stuff, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, like I say, we're going to Mexico. We've been to Europe actually five times in the last two years. They, uh, they seem to, they seem to really like metal more over there. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but Germany especially is just like they really love metal. Yeah, actually, I think I just posted a uh, or reposted a Cannibal Corpse show from like Peru or something, and the entire crowd is like one giant mosh pit. And I think my <laughs> yeah, exactly. my caption was like, "This is why bands do not want to play your Podunk little town." It's like they want to, you know, anytime right, totally. you, you know, even bands like uh like Hatebreed. You know they they'll post their their two hundred cap show here, but then they'll also post their three thousand cap show in in Germany or something. So it's right exactly. It's, well, it's, it's crazy like, how that works. It's it's funny because you know the whole thing, the joke, the meme has become like you know come to Brazil when a band announces a tour. Like that's become kind of a joke because there's always that one guy who says come to Brazil when you're going to play Indiana. But the reality <laughs> is more and more bands now are I think they're learning like you know what let's just go to Brazil because there's going to be People will be excited. Like the best tour I ever did in my life was a tour in South Africa. Like it was amazing. You know, people would show up just they were excited about music um, versus, you know, like I say, the United States is, is just a different animal. Like, yeah. It's very over, very oversaturated. Like every every night there's 100 shows coming through Atlanta, you know, so. But I've always thought that that had a little bit to do with the mystique of, you know, uh, a foreigner coming into town, because, I mean, I know that. I can't think of a band off the top of my head, but you know, say a band from Germany or a band from Ireland or a band from somewhere else comes to tour the states, you might be a little bit more excited than if you, uh, you know, than 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 your band from Indiana. Totally, totally. That yeah, I mean that, that plays into it some, but um, you know, I mean, I I was fortunate enough to tour with a band that's one of my heroes called Extol. Um, I'm sure people know who Extol is. Um, they're they're awesome, and they came over here and it's just like you would think, man, a band from Norway coming over here for the first time in a decade, it just, it was just rough for them. You know, they were kind of like, man, what happened to the American scene? You know? Um, and I'm just like, I don't know. It, there was kind of a heyday in the late nineties, early two thousands, I guess. And then, uh, I don't know. It's still out there. You just got to find it. Yeah. So with, you know, with now being a three piece, I mean, it's still obviously uh, <laughs> low overhead and, um, uh, did I say three? I meant we're at, we're adding a fourth and a fifth. Uh, <laughs> well, week. you know, I got two Just guitar players coming in, and at, at some <laughs> point, at some point, you're just going to be like a normal band, you know? So, totally, uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> actually, you're just playing bass. You actually got a new singer coming in too. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, here's the reality. Like, Death Therapy has been a, a two piece thing. You know, a lot of that out of um, practicality mm -hmm. um, for for what it is, but also because largely it's my it's my thing. You know, I mean, I'm writing all the stuff. But I would say, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, if the vision seems to call for more, man, I'd love to tour with, I don't, you know, I tour with as many people as I could. I mean, um, I don't think we'll ever have a guitar player because that's kind of the one thing that's going to probably be always constant is we're, a, you know, a bass driven band. But uh, to tour with, you know, keyboard players, you know, auxiliary percussion type stuff, man, that'd be a dream. I'd love to do that. You know? 
Um, get a little Slipknot in there. Of course, <laughs> right. that's, a, that's a whole other story. They're having their issues with that guy. Right. Um, so maybe I shouldn't go down that road. Maybe I'll back down <laughs> to two, and then eventually I'll just play by myself with a backing track with drums. <laughs> well, uh, this album seemed to be a little bit more... Maybe not so much bass driven. I mean, that was the maybe two listens through, as the first album seemed to be very bass driven. Uh, this one's from what I, you know, first first couple listens gathered that you kind of got more into the progressive side and more into the, um, you know, might be a lot of bass, but it's bass through different uh, different, right. you know, uh, filters and things like that, and a lot more keyboard and a lot more, uh, you know, even like some um, almost like chanty background vocals, things like that, like. Did you kind of go into this one with a little bit more of like, all right, I know what I can do live. I know what I can pull off live. Uh, you know, the the sky's the limit type uh, type attitude. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, the reality is, I think I think the first record was trying to sort of find what this what the band was going to be, you know, and um, and and there were a few things I took away. I, I really liked the first record. I think it turned out great, but I always wanted it to be a little more organic, a little more riff rock a little more progressive than than it came out the first time the first time it came out almost as like um a borderline just industrial record and the thing about industrial as you as you know is like it's a whole culture in itself and um i wasn't ever really prepared like to dive headlong into that culture um it just sort of you know the record came out that way um i live more in the progressive like you know riff rock you know five ten riffs per song kind of world that's where i was with becoming the archetype and even though death therapy is different than that stylistically um you know as sort of a meta musical thing i think this record fits better so i feel like i kind of found the place i wanted to go um on this record the the drums are more organic sounding not as not as programmed sounding the the uh we recorded all the guitars and stuff through real amps with real cabs this time rather than through processors and stuff so I feel like it it just feels more like what I wanted it to this time. When I picked up my son from school just a couple hours ago, I was listening to the album and uh, the instability of Proto Man came on. And <laughs> and uh, I was like, this is like video game metal. And he's like, I like this a lot, you know, and he hates totally. he hates all of my music. So uh, he was into it, man. It's good. Yeah. Anybody out there who's got small children, that's that that can be a hit with them. My son, my son loves that song. I have a seven year old son. And um yeah, I mean that. You know, the first album had a track that was a tribute to classic video games as well, and I thought I want to keep that going um, on this record. And I feel like I feel like it's a it's a fun song, um, but it it reflects my you know in the end it reflects what I grew up with. I mean, probably eighty percent of the music I listened to when I was you know younger was video game music. I just didn't realize it. Right. It was just all in the background while I was playing a video game, playing Mortal Kombat or something. Well, it's crazy too, and not to get off on on a different thing, but like, uh, you know, video game soundtracks that that kind of needs to make a comeback, man. So so many like old school Madden songs. I'm like, where do I remember this song from? And then you remember it's like totally. Madden 2003, you know, or something like that. That's what I'm saying. It's it's embedded in your subconscious. Those those songs, even though you don't realize, it's like for every for every five albums I listen to, I probably listen to 500 like video game songs that I didn't think about that were sort of you know, the melodies and stuff are embedded in there. It'd be really cool if, uh, if there's sort of a, a renaissance of video game soundtracking. Let's dive into a little bit of the, uh, the features on here. actually the, uh, all of the, the guest vocalists on this, 
Uh, they huh? they definitely shine, man. They come through and they add they add something to it. It's not, it doesn't seem to be just a random guest spot. It actually seems like they add something to each song they do. So uh, my totally. defiance has got uh, Josh. What's how how do you say his last name? Kin- I think I think it's Kincello. Kincello, nice. Uh, I like that's a good last name. I like that one, Josh Kincello. Uh, what, what band is he from, and uh, how did that one come about? Yeah, so he's in a band called Glasslands, and they're really cool. They're sort of a super group of sorts. Um, you know, with members from uh, previous bands. One, Josh was played bass and did vocals in a band called Icon for Hire, and uh, the drummer uh, was originally in Beartooth. Um, and I'm um, trying to remember the other guy, but they, they, they're all from previous bands. They're all super good. And um, I like their band a lot. He's got a unique voice. It's really, you know, it's a lot higher than I can sing. And um, I always had that part in mind. It's kind of like I wrote, I wrote everything on this record without guest vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were just certain places where I was like, I really think it'd be cool if I added a voice here. And the album's called Voices. So it actually fits with the concept of, you know, here are some spots where I can throw in a new voice um, that adds something to the song. So like even, you know, another one that's a feature on there is uh, Garrett from Silent Planet on the song Feels Like Fiction. And it just, um, I had recorded his part myself and you should all, everyone should be grateful that you don't have to hear my horrible, <laughs> my horrible take on what right. Garrett was able to do so well. Um, so it just sort of, sort of like maybe a person who's casting a movie, I sat back and was like, you know, who would really make this the best? Um, and so Garrett, you know, Garrett made sense for that, Josh for the other one. And then, of course, the third one is uh, Matt Baird from the band Spoken, which is a band I grew up with and have loved for ages. Uh, and I think supremely underrated vocalist and supremely underrated band. So I'm happy to give them all the free press I can. <laughs> when it comes to grabbing those kind of guys, do you reach out to certain people do you have like once you realize you want a guest vocalist do you reach out to that specific person or do you like uh, reach out to a few people that you would just like to have on the album and then find parts for them later yeah no i mean in this case like i say it was more like i i had the parts already done and i really just had them in mind i'm I'm very fortunate that everybody i asked said yes um they were all just super cool with it and um yeah i mean it was just like i just just message each of them, excuse me, message each of them was like, Hey, would you be down to do this? They said, yes, which is, you know, again, a blessing. Uh, There's a lot of people who go out, go seriously out of their way, spend a whole lot of money. Um, I'm seriously in debt to these guys for helping make my record, you know, what it is um, without putting me through the ringer. So (laughs) nice. And the, uh, they were all just super easy. It was just like, yeah, yeah, sure, man, I'll do it. And then I sent them the track and they recorded their part and sent their part back to me. So, What's that? What's that like for you to get that part back? You know, the first oh, time you get little, it. It is a little nerve wracking, honestly. Like, it's a little bit like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? Is it going to be, you know, especially especially in the world of like auto tune and mm-hmm. and all these things now, you just don't know what you're going to get back. Is it going to be? Is it going to sound weird? Is it going to sound like what you had in mind? But here's the thing with death therapy. <clears throat> and I apologize if I sound super sick. Like allergies are killing me. Um, with death therapy all along, my I've tried to be really like chill and hands off about how I write the music compared to the way I have been in the past. My previous band was like we fought each other. We had like five different guitar players come in and out and two, three different drummers. And I mean, it was just drama all the time. <laughs> death therapy has been much more of like, let's just see what happens. And yeah. so it's actually been kind of fun to hand it over to some other people and let them mess with stuff. Um, the producer who produced on this record's guy named Nate Washburn. He's in a band called my Epic 
And honestly, I put a lot of stuff in his hands and just like was like, hey, man, let's just see see what happens. And uh, it's actually really fun to write music that way if you can not be super uptight, if there's no egos involved, you know, because um, what what Matt came up with on the song, It's OK, what Garrett came up with, what Josh came up with is that's, you know, I had an idea for them, but they they took it to their own place. And I think it turned out really rad. I know you you said this is the first show with the keyboard player, but I know you've been doing some shows like weren't you doing shows like just last week, just the two of you. So, you know, how totally. how are the, uh, you know, playing some of these songs live and, and things like that? It's a lot of fun, honestly. Uh, so what's weird is there's been there's been a couple reviews of the record um, at this point because it just came out. And uh, most of the reviews have been really glowing and, and positive. Two or three of the reviews have said things like it's not as heavy as the first record which I think is really strange because playing it live, I feel like these songs are way heavier. Um, you know, at least the heavy parts. I mean, I guess I can understand why somebody might hear a song like it's okay, which has like two minutes of electronic stuff um, before it gets heavy and say, Oh, it's not as heavy as the first record, but like a song like my defiance, which has been our first single. I mean, dude, that song kicks my butt live. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm playing in Meshuga or something compared to, you know, compared to the first record, which mm-hmm. was more or less, which is more or less four on the floor, straight up kind of, you know, groove rock. Um, that song is just, that's a metal song. Um, it kind of kicks my butt. So, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun playing them. And um, I'm interested to see how much more energy we can give it with a, a third person up on the stage. With having the first album in the bag, you know, this new album coming out. And I, I'm not sure we even talked about this last time we talked, but I mean, you know, how is that for you to be the, the only guy on stage, you know, really being able to move and, and how much do you have to embrace, you know, trying to work a crowd and play bass and sing and run the pedals and and have all that going on, man. That seems like a yeah. lot. Yeah. I feel sometimes like I need to do the Garth Brooks thing and get one of those, like those headphones, there you go. which would be, Oh gosh, please. That would be awful. That'd be terribly corny. I saw a metal band do that one time. Um, <laughs> and it was embarrassing. I felt bad for them. Um, so no, I won't be doing that. But yeah, I mean, it, it is it is difficult. It's a challenge because um, sometimes, especially if a song has a lot of vocals or a lot of pedal switches or things like that, I feel like I'm just you know stuck in one place. And um, and especially sometimes we play these stages that are 50 feet deep and 70 feet wide, you know, <laughs> at a right. festival. And they're used to having, you know, seven or eight people up on stage with saxophones and all kinds of other crazy stuff going on. And we roll up with our, you know, two guys and the drummers like way 50 feet behind me you know, on the drum riser somewhere. Um, it's, it can be challenging. Um, and that's part of why I'd, li- I'd like to ramp up the show a little bit more and, and we'll see how it goes with the keyboard player. Honestly, this kind of, you're the first person getting, <laughs> getting the news on that. We'll see how it goes. Um, I might've could have kept it a secret since it's happening in Mexico, but <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this will be out tomorrow too. I've already recorded all the stuff that goes around the interview. So pop this bad boy Sweet. in and send it out tomorrow. But yeah, man, uh, yeah, everybody's gonna say you sold out. You know, you got a keyboard player, and he's like, "Oh, sold out." Totally, totally sold out. As a matter of fact, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hand the band to him and let him write a bunch of like, you know, Justin Bieber like pop songs or something. It, oh, it never yeah. hurts. <laughs> totally. Uh, so, you know, what are the different uh, iterations of that the album came out on? I know, obviously, streaming things like that, but in the physical world, I mean, did it come out on vinyl? You know, cassette, eight track. You know, how how can you get this album? Yeah, you can get it on CD, which is. So two things, two things got upgraded from the first record. First record did not come out on vinyl, but it is now. Okay, so we got both of them on vinyl now, which is awesome. And they're both on colored vinyl, which is cool. But um, also, this time around, we got a CD in the old school jewel case with the full booklet. Um, I know that 
doesn't matter to some people, but I'm a kid who grew up in the 90s on CDs and booklets. So the first album was kind of just like a digipack kind of thing, you know, like just a, you know, one page kind of thing. So, so yeah, there's, there's physical CDs out there in our store and in the label store and, and, and vinyls and everything. Cassettes, man. I don't know. Is that making a comeback? <laughs> it, it it keeps trying, man. It keeps trying. Oh gosh! And it's funny, I like as, as soon I as I uh, as soon as I got rid of the car that actually had the cassette deck still in it, that's when cassettes come back around. I'm like, come on, like what's going on yeah. here? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but that's, hey, I'm I'm down with it. I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm down with anything that uh, that puts something tangible in people's hands rather than just you know. I mean, I'm I'm cool with streaming too. I'm not one of those grumpy old guys. But like I, I like to have something personally. When I collect music, I like to have something physical. Yeah, I went into a used CD store the other day. We went out to eat and used, you know, used record store right next yeah. to it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in here. I'm going to buy a couple of CDs. And every time I'd pick a CD up, I'm like, I'm going to buy this. I'm like, why would I want to buy it? I have it on Spotify. It was like such a very odd <laughs> conundrum, like a conundrum. Oh, you're the worst. I am no, the worst. But I mean, but at the same time, if I listen to it on Spotify, at least that artist gets something. If I bought it in the used record True. store, they don't get anything, which is right. the, the funniest argument ever about people buying physical, but they buy it at the used record store. And I'm like, you, st- you, you don't yeah. get it. <laughs> like, it's not buying like, it physically from the band themselves right? or from somewhere that's reporting the sound scan. <laughs> that totally makes sense. But right. from the used place, dude, just stream it. Like. <laughs> Yeah, if you tell me and that I'll, you su- support physical and you're just buying used records right. at a yard sale, that's not uh, that's not helping and, and anybody. And honestly, so so I, I, how I think you and I are about the same age. Um, yeah, I'll be forty in a couple um, of months. Okay, yeah, you and I are about the same age. Um, I'm thirty six, but um, I feel like there's some people in our demographic who are like hardcore never uh, never streamers. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and so and so the people who like my band, I've got like a contingent of people who, when I say, Hey, go check us out on Spotify. They're like, you know, they get really mad. Um, and they're like, boo, it's ruining the music industry. The the reality is people who truly want to support the bands, like the best way to do it would be to do both. Honestly, you yeah. know what I mean? Because if, if, if everyone that's our fans is like, I'm just going to buy a physical, that's cool. But then like our numbers on streaming platforms look terrible. Um, and that's become important to the industry now, you know? It's kind of like the radio, really, is what I tell people. Like, Spotify is like the new radio, um, and we want to get played on the radio. So, You know, I remember when Napster kind of first started popping up, and uh, and they, the, the industry was talking about how it sucked, yes, but then you could also kind of see what songs kids were listening to. And if, you know, even if you bought the CD and you put it in your computer and you listen to it that way, they could still somehow track you know, like which song was being played the most or just because you bought the album and listened to it one time, that didn't mean you listened to it a thousand times. And I think Spotify, you know, music, you know, royalty wise might suck payout wise, but I, I think that the, uh, the information that you gather can kind of counterbalance some of that stuff too. Totally. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's at least as of now, they haven't, there hasn't been any you know, nobody's found a way to hack it that I know of. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody out there in the dark web who's going to claim that they've hacked it. But I mean, the numbers are pretty authentic as far as I can tell. If, you know, if you're a band and you've got 8,000 people monthly listeners, then that's, that's what you got. You know, mm-hmm. that's how many people were listening versus, you know, we all know the trouble of the social media algorithms and stuff. I mean, oh, the such and such band has a million followers on Facebook, but only 5,000 of them ever engage anything, you know? Right. Um, it's so Spotify is great in that regard, man. I mean, I'm not trying to talk them up, but um, 
but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and the one thing too, the other the other piece of information that you might get is, you know, say that you're playing songs off the new album, and you, but then the most you know stream song ends up being like the Reckoning or something. And you're like, well, shit, I guess I need to play that one instead, or or even Metallica. Totally. They talk about Metallica will pull each city's you know Spotify and uh, and they'll actually um, you know tailor their set list to the regional oh, Spotify shoot. listens and stuff. I mean, it's crazy what they're doing out there. I didn't even know you could do that. I need to look into that now. I'm sure Metallica could do it. I don't know about... Uh, no, you know, no, I mean, we, we're almost we're almost as big as Metallica these days. Well, I know. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I got you. That, yeah, totally. But, uh, but yeah, man, what's the... Uh, so what's the, the the remainder of the year look like for you guys, touring-wise? We've got, we've got a ton of stuff going on this summer. We're playing a bunch of festivals and trying to tour... In between, I think we'll probably be mostly in like the Northeast and Midwest in like July. And then in August, we'll be out Texas direction and hopefully we'll be out West uh, shortly thereafter. And then we're going back to Europe in the fall or winter, early winter. So it's going to be a busy year, man. And I'm, you know, I'm excited about, I'm excited about playing more and more of the new songs, honestly. Like we're only playing three new songs in the set right now because people are still getting to know it, but I can't wait until, until we can kind of change it up and put more of them in there. So, All right. And as we wrap this up, what's the uh, best way for people to follow death therapy and yourself? Yeah. I mean, we're on, uh, we're on any platform people want to follow us on, uh, the big ones, at least Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Instagram seems to be the one where we can get the most stuff to the most people without obstacles in the way these days. But, uh, but yeah, we're on all those. We're on Spotify. You can follow us on Spotify. All right, man. And then uh, pick a song off the new album and uh, tell me a little story behind it as we play it out. If I had to pick a song off the album, um, I would pick the song um, Resist the Eclipse. It's a song that um, several people have already told me, like, took them by surprise. It's kind of buried later in the record. But um, it's one of my favorite songs. It's kind of got a little little Deftones-y vibe to it. Um, it's kind of chill, but then it's heavy <laughs> while it's being chill. And it's a song that more or less just says like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't look around, like don't watch the evening news and get bogged down with how bad things look, but instead like go out and be a voice for the voiceless, be a hope for the hopeless, um, be a light in the darkness kind of thing. And, and it's just a, it's just sort of an anthemic song about that. And um, at, at the end of the day, it's, it didn't get released as a single, but it's one that um, I really, I really love that song. I wish it would have gotten released as a single. So, well, very good, Jason. Man, we'll take care out there. Be careful in Mexico. Don't drink the water. And uh, good <laughs> yeah, luck I'm with everything, told. man. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. All thanks right. for thanks for the time, man. All right, man. Take care. All right, bye bye.
everybody doing out there in podcast land rob rivera here from the band nonpoint and this is my weekly segment here on the talk to me podcast rob's pick from the kit uh, i've been doing this now for a while i have so much fun doing this and sharing music and all the music that i love and i share most of it. it's the old school stuff i'm gonna focus on some brand new bands too and i will be looking for new bands and uh, to feature on this. So if anybody wants to send me any music, uh, you can send it to uh, robcastpodcast at gmail.com. I may talk about your band on my podcast, which actually, let me talk about that. We're going to, me and my buddy Rob Rocha, who is the chief engineer at Uptown 
Records, who has engineered the last two Nonpoint albums and actually played bass on our last record, X. We are going to launch a podcast, and we're going to be focusing on the recording industry, touring industry, talking about new bands, bands that we loved, all the experiences from the road, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be great. Uh, by the time you get this, it's probably already launched. It's called the Robcast Podcast. We are on all socials. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Robcast Podcast, R-O-B-B-C-A-S-T, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So thank you, Joshua, for letting me plug my stuff. I appreciate it. And also, another thing that we're going to do, we're going out with P-O-D, Hyrule the Hero, Islander, and Nine Shrines on the Full Circle Tour Part 2. If you had so much fun the first time, we're going to do it again. Starts May 10th. Nowpoint.com has all the ticket information. Nowpointstore.com has two awesome VIPs. And we got some killer merch on there, too, so if you want to check some of the stuff out. So on to this week's pick. I'm going to pick a band that I think, outside of Seven Dust, this is the most underrated band that's ever been in the history of music. They're called King's X out of Houston, Texas. And the fact that this band is not bigger is mind-boggling. Uh, my guitar player... BC Coachman. He is a massive fan of King's X. And I have been listening to King's X since, God, since I was in my 20s. I'm going to be 50 years old this year. Old ass balls. Yes, I know it. But I'm going to feature this song over my head. And if you've ever listened to this song, it's got almost like this gospel, but gospel like type vocal. But the groove is just so massive. And to think that's only three people in that band that make all that noise. Is insane, and from what I know, they're a completely live band, and I mean, uh, they're just incredible musicians. Some of the best harmonies you're ever going to hear anywhere. So, if you have not heard anything by King's X, Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska is an incredible record that I uh, recommend you picking up. And this is Over My Head by King's X.
Huge thank you to Jason Wisdom for taking the time. Huge thank you to Rob Rivera for his weekly pick from the kit. Thank you to each and every one of you out there for checking out the show, and hopefully you guys will not be upset in the transition. So for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you soon.